And that's the bottom line. Just Stone Cold said so. You are absolutely right, Stone Cold. Thanks for that. Anyways, how are you guys doing? This is another wonderful and tasting episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance. The show about wrestling and stuff related to wrestling, so basically about wrestling. Every Wednesday at 7 o'clock, I am here, obviously, with my co-host. What is up, Brother Ray Patton? Man, nothing much. Looking forward to talking about some wrestling and uh, cracked open a beer, so settling in, getting ready to uh, enjoy the show and enjoy talking to you and all the people out there listening. How you been, man? I've been good, dude. You know, I had a nice relaxing weekend. Uh, it was wonderful. My dad um, was wanted to come over and hang out. He said Sunday, get away from, uh, you know, my mom's and stuff like that and head over to my house and watch me and my buddy jam out. You know, Boris, I think. No, I don't know if you met Boris, actually, but my guitarist. And it ended up being a family day. He was like, hey, he's from Boston, by the way, guys. He's like, hey, I'm going to bring your mother and your brother. We're going to come over and make sausages. So uh, fucking had one heck of a day, lots of uh, drinkies, if you will, someday. And then been working through the week, you know, driving the Schwagen Wagon, wagon, which is my work car around, and uh, delivering goods to all the people, like Santa Claus on Christmas. So uh, I appreciate you asking. How, How have you been, Chris? Yeah, man. Uh, you know, outside of work, everything's been pretty good. Like I said, it's uh, yeah, it was a pretty laid back weekend for me. Watched a bunch of G1. Watched a uh, watched watched an event called Slammiversary. <laughs> watched ah. uh, you know all all of the fucking wrestling basically, and uh, played some wrestling with you online, so that was good. But yeah, man, about the same same for me. Just uh, getting through the week. Excited to be here and talk about some wrestling. I gotcha, and that's good to put us back on track with wrestling. And I definitely remember the video game playing because I was there too. Can't wait to play with you again because I found an awesome Yano. Really looking forward to it. It's going to be awesome. But uh, let's go through the news so we can get to that other stuff you were talking about, Chris. First news item. So we reported, you know, a couple, I, I want to say about a month and a half ago, that WWE was nixing the ability for Ring of Honor to put on a show at Madison Square Garden. Um, the night before WrestleMania. Uh, WrestleMania is going to be in New York City, obviously. I think it's not the Barclays Center. It's at the Manhattan Center. I don't exactly remember. But they have the Barclays Center for NXT on that Saturday night as well. And we all know, if you're a wrestling fan, that the McMahons hold the, uh, the garden itself very, very highly. It was one of the biggest venues for a long time. That's where Bruno made a lot of his records and great matches throughout the course of the late 60s to the 70s, and it's, you know, three generations of McMahon with that place. So, got a lot of history with the WWF, WWF, WWE, whatever the hell you call it, uh, lineage. So, now, uh, it looks like I'm assuming that either Cooler Heads prevailed or probably not. Um, you know, they le- Ring of Honor legally looked into it to see if this was something they could really do. And they found out no. I don't know which that is. I'm going to lean probably more towards the latter of what I said um, about they're just like there's no reason that they can't, you know, have a show out there. So now they are. And Ring of Honor is bringing New Japan with them. Um, So it's going to be on Saturday night at 8 o'clock over in New York at Madison Square Garden. New Japan Wrestling versus Ring of Honor is the event name. And... Well, we'll go into the second part with the uh, rumor and innuendo, but Chris, what do you think about all this? 
I think it's a, you know, they always try to do a large event around WrestleMania. If I'm not mistaken, this is going to be either G1 Supercard that they do every year. And it kind of goes head-to-head head head against NXT, if, if I'm not mistaken. And, uh, yeah, there was some, I, obviously, Madison Square Garden's a bigger venue. I think with, on the heels of All In and how well that done, depending on the talent they get, they could probably sell out, depending on what part of Madison Square Garden they're in, I'm assuming they're going to be in that section where they used to film Raw at, where they just did the Raw event, where they split the venue. Um, I haven't seen any confirmation on that, but I'm assuming they're not going to be in, like, where the Knicks play, right? From, from all counts, and I think you're talking about the Barclays Center. That's where they used to film Raw. Um, I, well, they're, they're well, the Barclays Center is, uh, the Barclay Center oh, is no, where no, yeah, the uh, right. Islanders the Islanders play. Um so that's, I mean, that's a big-ass venue, too. But uh, I was thinking, you know, it, Madison Square it, Garden, they it, have, like, the television to studio. Square Garden, apparently. Yeah. I'm interested to see where that where that actually falls. Um, but, yeah, I mean, just to put it in perspective, like, last year, I think they they were in, like, a 4,000-seat venue. This will be a bigger venue. It'll be interesting to see if they can fill it up. Uh, obviously, WWE is not super hyped about all this. I, I don't think that at least – from a perspective of they want everything to be about their WrestleMania and with all these other events going around it, you could see them being a little almost like you're pissing in my backyard at Madison Square Garden. So I'm sure that there was a little bit of that, but if it came into like a legal standpoint, if, you know, if Ring of Honor wants to rent Madison Square Garden and pay the right to be there, I don't see how WWE could stop them. Um, so I don't know. It's a weird, it's a weird situation. Um, it says that they're going into the full. They're going to be in the full garden, which, if I'm thinking, can hold up to almost like 20,000 people. Um, on this article I just pulled up, which is from the New York Post, so can it it's a hold legitimate more than source. The Silverdome. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> but what was your outrageous the- number? That Gorilla Monsoon came out with for the Pontiac Silverdome. I forgot what it is, but it's like I don't even think there's enough feet. I don't remember. Sorry. It was like it was like close to a hundred thousand, if I remember right. Like it was. I don't know. Jim has a funny fucking story about that. <laughs> but I, I mean, eighteen thousand people for Ring of Honor. I'm assuming they're bringing in some big some big guns. I would assume you'd see Cody Rhodes and. Probably going to see, you know, some fan favorites there. Young Bucks, obviously. I'm assuming probably a Kenny Omega, maybe an Okada. Um, the Young Bucks are going to fight themselves for both Ring of Honor and New Japan. Yeah, I think like, that you might Not each other as see brothers, similar... Chris, but they're going to fight, like, themselves as a team. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> the, ghost, the shadow versions of the Young Bucks. Sonic style. <laughs> uh but yeah, I don't know, man. It's gonna be interesting. I that's a big ass venue. It's gonna be interesting to see how they even seat that thing and and what they what they're gonna do. Because I mean, it's, it says it holds. You know, like I said, it says it can hold up to twenty thousand people for a wrestling event because they're gonna use they'll utilize the floor. You know, where the Knicks play for ringside seating, and then the stands will be you know further back. So I, I don't know. That's a it's gonna be really interesting to see who they book on that card if it's similar to All-in-One and I think a lot of it depends on if All-in-One does really well and people get really into it, maybe you could see them fill that. That's a 
big ask, though, especially. Um, I think it's the right weekend to do it, with it being WrestleMania weekend. But the fact that literally almost right down the road in Brooklyn, you got the Barclays Center, and they're doing the NXT TakeOver, which I think will be what most people will go to. So it's going to be kind of a weird scene. I hope it's not a uh, bad idea on Ring of Honor's part. I actually expected them to do something in Jersey, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, like, a lot of the smaller feds would be doing something in Jersey instead of New York. But it's interesting, to say the least. Absolutely. That's what I think, too. And, I mean, this could be a good way for and, – and I understand what you're saying, because being able to fill that thing um, – it might not be 100,000 like the Pontiac Silverdome, but there's a lot of seats in Madison Square Garden, like we were just saying. So to be able to get that thing full, maybe it's going to be another accomplishment, and maybe the fact that it's co-branded with the two, it could do it. Um, I hope, and I think that it's feasible for them to still, well, I don't know. I don't know if they'll still be champions. More for Kenny, but I'd love to see Jay Lethal and Kenny Omega champion versus champion match. That would be awesome. Um, but they, they can do a lot of great pairings, have a lot of fun with that. And I'm looking forward to, regardless, being a wrestling fan, I'm going to be able to see that, and I'm going to be able to see NXT. So it's just which one will I watch live, you know? So that is pretty awesome. There is also some rumor and innuendo that Ring of Honor is trying to, is, is, is trying to court Mr. Uh, Phil Brooks for this event. Uh, do you think that there's any credibility behind that rumor? And if, if not, just, just go ahead with me, like how – do you feel about the idea of CM Punk participating in some way for this? Especially if he has some, like, will it be even elevated more, Chris, if he does show up at all in that is rumored also? It does nothing for them unless they get the announcement out ahead of time. Um, you know what I mean? Like, they need to build yeah. to, to let people know that CM Punk's going to fucking be there. They can't just have him show up because it's not going to, that's not going to mean anything. That's something... you're so damn smart. <laughs> it's just one of those things where it's like, um, if you tell people ahead of time CM Punk's going to be there, his fans will get behind him, especially if he's doing promos and stuff for it. Uh, do I think they're going to get him to do the event? I don't know, man. He just doesn't seem like he's in a place where he wants to wrestle. Like, he hasn't for a long time. It's not, I'm not going to say it's impossible, but what is that amount of money that's going to take to get CM Punk there? I think is at the, at the end of the day what, what we would be looking at, right? Like, how much are they going to pay him to show up for this one event? Yeah, and let's face I it, think that if you want CM Punk involved, Chris, you're probably going to want his heart in it in some way. If he's going in there with no giving a shit, like just trying to help out his buddies, basically, it's going to come off, you know, to the audience basically watching it. I mean, I think if he decides he's going to come back, he's going to give like he's going to give that match his all. I don't think he's going to half-ass it. I just don't. I don't see him doing that with the people that he would be there wrestling with. Um, but I think that moves that number a lot closer to selling that place out if CM Punk's involved. Uh, obviously, I mean he's he's still a big fucking draw, and especially because he hasn't wrestled in a long time. I don't. I think the UFC fight probably hurt him a little bit. His last two UFC fights, as far as like his drawing power, but he's still CM Punk and it's still a wrestling ring, and it would be a return home show for him, you know, back to Ring of Honor, kind of where not not where it all started for CM Punk, but kind of where he made his name um, before moving to WWE. So I, I think that it would definitely help them. Uh, get closer to selling out the garden. Uh, and originally when they're talking about all in, I thought that he would be like the perfect 
guy for them. But obviously, you know, with Kenny Omega and the Bullet Club and Cody Rhodes and uh, Kazuchika Okada and all these guys getting more over in the United States, that goes a long way as well. But having like, um, you know, CM Punk there, especially if you're going to head to head with NXT, having something special like that would make sense. Or Ring of Honor, it's just how much are they going to spend on it. And in a way, he kind of has their ball to the vice because he can ask for whatever fucking number he wants. And if they don't have the money for it, then they're just not going to have the money for it. You know what I mean? Absolutely. It is. It's a curious concept because, you know, I mean, obviously I don't think that he's going to keep on going in his uh, UFC career, at least. Maybe maybe MMA. Um, but I'm just saying, with all the stuff with All In, and especially what you're saying, now I'm thinking in my head, he is the whatever, the sobriety bear or whatever that always hangs out with Cody, screws over Cody, pulls off his head, CM Punk, they don't have anything, and then maybe Ring of Honor publicizes him for that event. It would probably get butts and seats, and it would probably get a lot of attention to something, and probably make Vince McMahon have his fifth stroke, probably. So, um, well, uh, let's hope, let's hope for all that. I'm just kidding. I love this, <laughs> but uh, who knows? We're gonna find out. Just uh, keep on paying attention, and uh, hopefully, we find out more information about the card. I'd like to find out some of these dream matches at such an amazing historical venue. All right, let's move on, Chris. We have a pay-per-view that was announced on Monday Night Raw. Um, we're going to go over Raw, but I'll just get down to the details that Stephanie McMahon announced that we're going to have a pay-per-view called Evolution, and it's going to be an all-women wrestling pay-per-view. She realizes what we have done as you know society and also viewers of the WWE brand and getting wrestling from divas to just female athletes and, you know, to the point where it doesn't really matter, you know, with me or with Chris and, and many, if it's two guys wrestling or if it's two girls wrestling, as long as they give a good story and, you know, can entertain us and know great forms of athleticism, that's, that's the main key. Uh, if you look at WrestleMania this year, it's also because some of the other matches were a little bit disappointing, to say the least. But probably the two, you know, best matches were Austin versus Charlotte and Ronda Rousey and Kurt Angle versus Stephanie and Triple H. It says a lot. It says a lot that if, you know, in my opinion, if Charlotte versus Oscar were to have headlined over Roman versus Brock, that if people would have gone home a hell of a lot more happy. Um, I don't know. Maybe that's what's just what's wishful thinking, but that's what I think. Either way, they're going to have the pay-per-view all in pay-per-view. It's going to have every title on the line. There's rumors that they might introduce a tag women's title um, at some point between then and maybe have the first match or the first title defense at their end of the May Young Tournament. The uh, two contestants will be wrestling out there. Over 50, this is kind of something that scares me, but I'm sure they'll lay it out. Uh, apparently over 50 past, past, present, and future stars. Uh, the future part doesn't make sense, but I think I know what they're going for are going to be involved to some extent. I'm assuming female commentary, which with Lita and Beth Phoenix and a lot of other ones that have worked in the past, Renee Young, obviously, someone they could definitely do. Um, it's going to be an all-female event, and it's, I think it's awesome. I think that we've come a long way in society. I, I actually give – I tip my hat a lot of times to Ronda Rousey, uh, originally, who was the one who made female MMA popular. And I think that's where, you know – 
uh, give the Divas a chance. That whole entire concept kind of came into WWE, and they were much more conscious about this. Um, I I was really happy to see both. You know, I think Vince is just there, but that's you know that's that's okay. But it seemed like Triple H and Stephanie were both extremely proud and extremely from the heart for this whole entire thing. Do I think their announcement and doing it like they did it with a little bit of uh, patting themselves on the back? Yeah, but what do you expect? Either way, this is awesome. I'm very happy to see that they're going to have a structured pay-per-view for the female performers of NXT, Raw, and SmackDown to provide great entertainment and another first in a direction where soon we won't have to worry about first anything. None of this will matter, and we can just focus on wrestling completely. Chris, how do you feel about Evolution? I'm excited for it, and I'm excited for potential matchups that they're going to have. That's the biggest thing for me is what, what are going to be the top card matches. Um, it, I would love to get Charlotte versus Asuka again, um, or, you know, or a match that we haven't seen, uh, something with Sasha and, and Asuka maybe, uh, as far as a full-on full match. Or There's a lot of cool things that they could do. Uh, I think building the top of the card is important. Doing something really neat with Ronda, I think, goes a long way. Uh, getting the NXT, the, the fact that NXT is going to be involved, I think, is, is awesome. Um, I do think, in a way, that this is kind of a nod of them acknowledging that, you know, they did the all-male Royal Rumble for that country, so giving, you know, an all-female pay-per-view being a first thing, I think it's kind of special, and I have no problem with it at all. I think it's going to be awesome. I look forward to it. The, the main thing that, you know, I hope is that they build some meaningful storylines going into it, so it's not just like, okay, here's this one-off event, and here's the matches. You know what I mean? I want it to seem like a big deal. I want it to be the, the big matches to be important and have an important feel to them. No, I completely agree. Um, there have been, you know, some talk, if you will, online chatter. I think the main one that I can remember that I am very, very intrigued by, we saw the return of one of my favorite female wrestlers and one of the ladies, I think, that jump-started this movement in the Attitude Era, dealing with a lot of stuff back then, Brian Payne's matches and, and whatnot, uh, Vince Russo's booking, I should just say. Um, Trish Stratus. And Mickey James put out there that she would love to go back into their feud and have another match with Trish on there. I don't know if that's throwing it out there or if that's WWE thing where they kind of, you know, send some type of hints. Um, but there's a lot of potential things that could happen wrestling wise with these matches. And uh, it, it seems pretty awesome. Are, are you, do you think that they'll, they'll include this tag division or, is this all rumor? Like, I can't – it seems like it's kind of some credible sources that WWE's planning on doing this, but that was originally what everyone thought they were going to announce on Monday, and they ended up announcing the event. Do you think that, that this tag division is actually true and will have some involvement in the pay-per-view, or do you think it's all bogus? I don't – I honestly, when I saw the tag division thing, I kind of scoffed a little bit because there, I don't see a way that you could do a tag division without – making those champions a female, female show brand, or having an all female show or having them defend cross platform for both raw and yep. SmackDown. Um, they, they, can, they don't, they just don't have enough people to make several tag teams to make that meaningful. If they do it and say they do it just on raw, it was like, here's the women's division of SmackDown. I would assume they do a roster shakeup, put the two factions that they have over there as tag teams. Um, and then probably just slam some people together 
as tag teams, and then you'd have maybe three or four tag teams. But, like, I look at the Raw tag team division, and it makes me just, like, kind of laugh a little bit at the thought of them doing a women's tag team. Like, they can't get it right with the amount of male talent they have. You know what I mean? Like, they can't get it right with the amount of male talent they have. I don't see them doing it with a thinner roster properly. It doesn't mean they won't do it. It's just I don't. I don't see them doing like a tournament for, you know, the tag titles. It's one of those things where I kind of wish they just wouldn't do it because I, I think it'll be, they did this in TNA. Like they had a women's tag division. They've had an all women's pay-per-view in TNA. Um, the women's tag division there, the knockouts tag division, as they called it, it was always bad just because the roster is a lot slimmer. There's not as many, you always end up with just random people squashed together. Basically. Um, Obviously, WWE has more female talent than they had at that time period, but it's a uh, it's still one of those things where I just can't I just can't see it working. Yeah, it would and Vince doesn't like tag brand. team wrestling. That's a good point. Like, I mean, that, that is a very very is, good point. He's openly said he doesn't like tag team wrestling, and it, it shows on Raw a lot of times. So it's not. I don't know. There's plenty of interviews with lots of people talking um, about Vince not being super high on tag team wrestling. I think like kind of last time there was a good amount of tag teams that, you know, made their mark would have been, you know, the Dudleys, the Hardys, Christian and Edge, Road Dog, Jesse James, Billy yep. Gunn, um, APA. That was the last time they actually had what I would consider legitimate tag teams um, in a legitimate tag division. I would like have to they agree really, I can't think of, you know, I mean, they've had tag teams here or there that were good. Like the Usos are really good. The New Day is really good. But, like, if you think about it as a division as a whole, who who the hell were they beating outside of, you know, the Usos versus New Day? Yeah, like, and that's not to take anything away from the Usos or the New Day. It's not their fault. It's just there's well, they're on you can't do the men's division right. Yeah, and, yeah, that's the other thing is they're on SmackDown. And there's even more, you know, there's more tag teams on SmackDown than there have been on Raw. I think they've done a better job of doing that um, on SmackDown, but. I, I don't know. Cross, like, tag team to me just needs to be – you need to put teams together and do cross-platform if you're going to do it and it work properly um, for both brands. But, yeah, it's a, it's a weird yeah. thing having two different tag team titles in general. Um, Raw has, like, technically – technically has, what, th- three tag teams right now? You got Arthur's of, Authors of Pain, The Revival, The B and Team. The B Team. And I guess Anderson and Gallagher of World. No, they're on SmackDown. I think one of them's hurt, but I think they're on SmackDown now. So yeah, so you have. <laughs> I mean, you see what I'm yeah, saying? And there's no focus the bar, on any the of those. On SmackDown too. Uh, there's like no yeah. one on Raw. Yeah, there's there's three tag teams on Raw, and that's how they do it on Raw. They just book two tag team. They just pick the top two tag teams at the time, and they have them go against each other for like months straight. I mean, they did it with a bar and uh, the Hardys. Like, how long was that yep. feud? You know what I mean? So, I don't know, man. It, it, and the way they book it is also terrible, where they're like, okay, well, we're going to do singles matches week after week after week instead of, like, trying to build other tag teams and doing, like, a number one contendership thing. They do a better job of this on SmackDown, but on Raw, it's just it's literally just, like, they're mad at each other now, and they're going to have some singles matches. No, I, I completely agree with you, and uh, I, I 
if they're going to do it like we said, like you said, you know, we're gonna, they have to structure it so it is cross brands. So that means that we'll have good booking and bad booking constantly. He'll be on Raw, it'll be like a horrible match. Like, what the hell? Why did they do that? And then SmackDown will like, you know, make it good again, so we can get that horrible cycle over and over again. I'm just kidding. Uh, whatever they do, as long as it caters to the female division, it's more exposure to female wrestlers, and they have a way about doing it. Do it. If not, don't just say you're going to do something, and then try some half-ass type of performance. I am looking forward to the Evolution pay-per-view. I know you are too. And uh, we'll have to just see uh, what it brings and uh, what, is, what it's like going forward. I hope this shows that there is a reason to maybe invest in a network all-women's show so they can have SmackDown and Raw have certain sides but then actually be able to go more into matches and storylines and maybe cater towards the tag division on its own, like, hour showcase or maybe two-hour showcase. Um, you know, if they can – and now that's doing better – they can successfully have a cruiserweight division uh, do well on their network, which it took Vince leaving the project, which is kind of funny and ironic. Um, to get it that way, I think a woman's division also could do really well, and it could give all those ladies something to do and more exposure. And I think that's all we really want. Uh, but let, well, unless you have some last words, uh, I was going to move on. Do you have anything else to say? No, I mean, outside of uh, I think that having women shows good, I don't I want the storylines to be wrestling storylines. I don't want to tie it into their e-network shows. Oh, my God. That's my only worry about them trying to do something like that is that they'll try to tie it into Total Divas, which is filmed, which I'd be fine with, but it's filmed, it's six months behind where wrestling is. You know what I mean? (laughs) So every time they try to bring in one of those storylines, it's just, it's always rough. I would assume the female wrestlers like the opportunity that, you know, the, the reality show presents. But I think that if they have their own pay- or pay-per-view, they would want, you know, more storylines and actual stuff. So I think we'd be okay with that. But that is terrifying now that you bring that up. I do not want to see that associated with the same concept at all. Um, let's yeah. go to the next thing. So we had a special guest at the Performance Center at WWE. Cain Velasquez was reported at the Performance Center. Uh, this is the training partner to uh, uh, Cormier, D.C., um, and also past heavyweight champion. He's gone, I, he got knocked out by Brock Lesnar, right? That's correct? Or did he knock out Brock Lesnar? Oh, Lester? man. Not Cain Velasquez, but either way, he's a fucking badass. And um, ex-heavyweight champion. Yeah, Velasquez now beat. Velasquez beat uh, Lesnar, I think, through TKO in, in round like round one last time we fought. But that was the fight. If I'm not mistaken, that's the one where Lesnar had uh, diverticulitis. Diverticulitis. Did I, yeah. did I say that right? Yeah. He was recovering from that during his training. There was always a little bit of was he really ready for that fight? Uh, kind of, kind of thing. That was like UFC, It looks like that was a UFC 121. But yeah, he, he's a badass. Let's just put it like that. No, he, he's a badass. I mean, he's let's see, 35 years old, he's six foot one, 240 pounds. But he is now. There is there is a there is a possibility, Chris, that the reason why he was there was maybe Sheena Baszler, Ronda Rousey, someone got a hold of him to maybe give, like, some type of seminar. Like, well, why would a non-wrestler be there? Well, because Cain Velasquez knows MMA, 
and can kind of go more into judo-based type of stuff and kind of show that side of stuff, just like if a Shawn Michaels, well, he works there, but if another wrestler were to come out there and do a seminar with the wrestlers, be able to show them certain things, he could have been there for something like that. It could have been publicity. He could have been stopping by. Do you think there's any possibility that King Velasquez is thinking maybe wrestling could be in my future? I think it's possible. Um, it's not like I. It's not like he's going to fight in UFC forever. So going, I mean, he's still fairly, fairly young. I mean, he's probably got, he's got, you know, he probably had two or three years of wrestling in him, even if he retired at 38 from fighting. I don't know if he's, he hasn't really, he hasn't retired as far as I know from UFC. So I'm sure he, he's probably going to still go that route. But, uh, I mean, from everything that I saw from the rumors that were floating around there, the, he actually trained with Norman Smiley. And then he did, like, DDP yoga with Diamond Dallas Page afterwards. And then he was on NXT um, for a televised event. So I don't know if it's a feeling out pro- pro- process, see what he likes. I do know that he was a, uh, like he said in the past, that he was a wrestling. Maybe it's just something he wants to do. Maybe he's seeing, you know, that uh, – Ronda Rousey's kind of had a light schedule and seems to have had success there. Uh, maybe it's a situation where you could have you could build a feud out of it naturally if you have Kane versus Brock again down the line in UFC, or if you wanted to do it in WWE first. I think it's a way that you could you know build a storyline there, being that he beat Lesnar. Um, if they wanted to go that route, it could be like a big uh, a big event maybe something at like mania uh, that would have like a big moment feel to it. So I'm not going to say it's completely out of the question. I think it depends on how much they want to pay him. And if he's done fighting in the UFC, you know what I mean? Absolutely. And his uh, training partner, uh, Cormier was on Uncle Steve Austin. He asked him the same thing, you know, you know, you're still, I think he's 38 years old. So he's a little bit older, but he basically just, you know, just said to him, DC, would you be interested in doing something with WWE, whether it be a event or wrestling in general? And DC is a huge fan of professional wrestling. So he said, of course, and, you know, the, the whole concept If the money was right. You know, if I was right in my career, I would think about doing something. So it's interesting that we're getting to the point where those two platforms keep on crossing each other. We either keep on having MMA fighters that come wrestlers or, well, rest, some wrestlers try to become MMA fighters, but, there's a lot of, you know, we're seeing people using Boston Crabs uh, to finish people in MMA, and we're, we're obviously seeing a lot of MMA-related fighting within New Japan and just wrestling, wrestling in general. So it's a pretty cool concept, and I, I like that the fighters themselves, Chris, respect the wrestlers for the most part, and a lot of them are fans, and vice versa. And it seems like the only people, well, besides Dana White, but now he has to, like, kiss ass because... Whatever. Anyways, uh, people that are not fans uh, of this concept are fans of UFC. But, eh, you know, if, if you've got to make money, if you've got to do that type of stuff, I mean, the fact that WWE has this relationship to be able to trade their champion to go fight there, I'm just wondering what's going to happen at SummerSlam because the, part of me thinks Brock's not losing. He's holding that damn title again. And part of it is because WWE wants him to bring that title to the freaking octagon when he fights uh, DC, whatever that be, probably January or February. I hope not, but I, I could see that happening. I, I think their biggest problem 
like as far as UFC fans go, is that they don't want UFC to be thought of as non-legitimate. And when you start seeing these people cross over, like if Kane goes to WWE and then comes back to UFC and gets demolished by someone, it's going to look like it's it's going to make UFC look bad. Um, or if he demolishes someone, it's like one of those weird things. Like it's the same reason people like some UFC fans don't like Brock Lesnar. It's uh, you know with with CM or Punk, don't like obvious, when like, McGregor yeah. or Chael Sonnen or any of those type of guys have promos, if you will, leading up to their match. Yeah, I mean, it, I understand it. Um, I think that you know if Kane comes out and actually retires and goes, I don't think anyone will have a problem with it. I think it's more just like if you go wrestle for six months and then you come back and you want to fight in the UFC, for whatever reason that rubs, it seems like it rubs some UFC fans. I'm not going to say all UFC fans the wrong way. I don't think anyone ever has a problem with Brock Lesnar coming back. I think they see him as a legitimate fighter, but I I think they, I would hope that they would treat Cain Velasquez the same way. Um, With Ronda, her going out on those two losses and leaving, I know that she caught a lot of flack as basically being called like a chicken, like running from the UFC almost in a way that I, I think is not really fair, but I don't know. It's a weird thing, man. It's You're talking about legitimately punching people in the face and then, you know, wrestling, um, which both require a, a lot on your body. It's very taxing in either situation. I don't think anyone would say anything different, but it's uh, the mindset of the fan bases are completely different unless you just happen to like both. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. It, it, I mean, I mean, wrestling at a purest form is entertainment-based. I don't like calling it sports entertainment. It's still professional wrestling. Um, but in a competitive sense, the, like people, non-wrestling fans, won't understand why wrestlers are competitive. You know, it's, it's, all, it's all work. And they don't understand that the competitive nature of professional wrestlers is not about the winners and losers, obviously. It's who has the best matches. You look back in a time of, like, the mid-'90s when you had Stone Cold, first becoming Stone Cold, doing his thing, Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels, Owen Hart, Undertaker, and all of them were basically like, try to outdo that match. Or, or in uh, WCW with the Cruiserweight division with – Jericho and Malenko and Guerrero. I mean, that type of concept is where that athleticism comes in. But, yes, obviously, we all know, as wrestling fans, it's a work, and there's a huge difference between the two. But still, acceptance and cross-promotional sort of stuff that ends up happening is still pretty cool. And 10 years ago, when I was heavily invested in USB, I never thought I would see any of that. But um, either way, uh, we have talk about an uh kind of on subject chris but an ex mma fighter uh professional wrestler he's been around for a while um mr matt riddle uh he's a you know he's a free man he's not in any anything he's been at the performance center he just dropped the uh, evolved title um he's done with his pwg stuff it looks like just like his good friend keith lee Matt Riddle might be making his mix in with the WWE. I think that he is, I mean, he's like RVD and Kurt Angle had a baby, if you will. He's an incredible Matt wrestler, but he's got this cool, chill attitude, and he kicks like a motherfucker. But a lot of great grappling and wrestling because he comes from the world of MMA, like we were just talking about. Um, 
based off his performance, because I don't know a lot about his promos. I've seen him, but he usually just acts like he's kind of like, hey, I'm chill. I'm going to whip that guy's butt. Yeah. Like, that's something that can be worked on. But do you think that Matt Riddle could show a different style and a different, you know, uh, unique quality that not a lot of guys have of, of, of being not Shawn Michaels-esque, but like that type of look, but actually not wrestling like that at all and being more Brock Lesnar, Kurt Angle, you know, actual grappling or Greek, Greco-Roman wrestling, basically, is what I'm trying to spit out. Do you think that he could do well in WWE? I think given given the uh, right opportunity, I think he could do very well. The guy is a freak athletically. Um, the one match that stands out of uh, of his that like stands out to me, probably one that you can look up and find, is uh, him versus Shibata for I think like the UK yeah. like a UK title, and that was one hell of a match. Obviously, the match that stands out, and I think he he has a lot of really cool moves. Uh, he's got a bro gimmick. It's like his kind of thing. Um, he does come off a little bit like RVD and he has had some marijuana issues in the past <laughs> from yeah. in UFC at least. So I don't know how that would affect him in WWE. Hopefully not at all. I don't know how hard they're testing for that stuff anymore. Um, but yeah, as far as like just getting in the ring and mixing it up, I think he would be a great addition. Um, he's been out there working the indie scenes. He's had matches with Cody Rhodes and Shibata and, uh, Jeff, he was tag team partners with Jeff Cobb, and he's worked with Keith Lee. I mean, he's he's built uh, for NXT, I think, ready to go coming straight in. Uh, obviously, they'll give him some additional training, but he's definitely someone I would look at, especially if they're going to be moving talent pretty soon, you know what I mean? Um, I, and we're going to get into that later, but I think, you know, there are going to be some call-ups soon, and you need to fill the gap somewhere, and I think he would be a good choice if they wanted to go that route. And, and just looking at NXT, man, like, if you get a Matt Riddle in there, I mean, look at that place. You already have now your UK division that you're slowly building with some of the best guys over there, including Pete Dunne and um, Mustache Mountain, all those guys as well. Now, in your Mer- you're telling me that we're going to have Aleister Black, Tommaso Ciampa, Johnny Gargano, um, Velveteen Dream, uh, EC3, Matt Riddle, Keith Lee, Ricochet, I mean, are you kidding me? Like, all on the same roster. That's, that's amazing. And then, all, obviously, all the incredible female wrestlers that we have, too, and, and the ones coming in from the May Young Classic. It's, it's a pretty stacked roster, and it kind of – the only thing that is the, the bittersweet concept is that once they make that transition, what will happen afterwards? But either way, what we kind of have to look towards is NXT. Um, who would you like to see, you know, say he's in, in the next, like, four months to get them through the whole entire system, which seems like that's what Keith Lee did. When we first heard this, he's about to make his appearance, summer, well, not SummerSlam, but NXT um, at that event, at, at TakeOver. Uh, so who would you like to see Matt Riddle go against first coming into NXT? Well, if he's ready right off the rip, I would like to see him go against, like, Adam Page and his crew, honestly. Um just get Matt Riddle oh, over man. baby face. I think that's like where his promo skills kind of lie is more on the baby face laid back kind of, kind of style, at least from what I've seen, you know, from him and evolve, that's kind of what he plays to. I think that would be good and probably a good way to get some heat on Adam Cole because Riddle's a known name. 
Um, and right now, like anyone they put Adam Cole against, it seems like that Adam Cole ends up getting cheered for. So it'd be a, I think something that they could build up. Maybe even he comes in as part of their group and has like the Sting Ric Flair kind of moment where Sting got kicked out of the Four Horsemen. You kind of build one of those kind of feuds, you know. That would be how I would. That's probably where I would start. Oh my God, Matt Riddle against Adam Cole. I love your whole concept. Like I got goosebumps, Chris. Like he joins Undisputed Era, which I love Undisputed Era. But you're right. They're they're trying. They get the NWO factor. They're they're heels. They do heel as shit. But people like them, and the people definitely love Adam Cole. But you have, you will put them more over as a heel, especially if you get Matt Riddle involved, and he would be a great person to go against them. I would, I would love that. I, I also think that you know, since they have already chemistry, start them off with Keith Lee, let them have a great program for a couple months, show off their abilities that they already know how to work with each other, and then you know, kind of go from there. That could be a good first few. But man, that that was that was some brilliant thinking. Uh, let's keep it in the realm of NXT though. Uh, and, and go into this spoiler. So, so guys, uh, we're about to talk about a spoiler that happened on NXT and uh, involves the show tonight that will be happening. Well, actually, you should be still listening to us, but it happens at 8, so it's very soon. Um, I think 19 minutes, actually. Uh, if you don't want to know about this, and I know a lot of people do, so that's what we're going to talk about it. If you don't want to know about this, spoiler warning, just skip about, I don't know, four minutes from now. Okay. And just make sure that we're not talking about NXT. You're probably going to skip four minutes. I'm going to be a little bit off, and I'm going to say exactly what it is. But just trust me instead. Anyways, um, so Chris, and like I said, I've warned you guys. We have a new NXT champion as of uh, a week and a half ago. Uh, tapings for NXT. Tommaso Ciampa had his match against Aleister Black, which is premiering tonight. And WWE went ahead and just put on the website. If anyone's wondering why they do that, it's because they're trying to air it before someone else does. I mean, it's as simple as that, and give the option for a person to spoil it for themselves so someone else doesn't blatantly spoil it and then ruin it for them. That's why they do that. It's annoying, but that's what happens with tape television, and they dealt with this a hell of a lot during the you know, Monday Night Wars. So if you don't know about that, there's the network. Go back. And I, re- I feel really old uh, if you don't know about the Monday Night Wars. But anyways... Um, so we have a new NXT champion. Tommaso Ciampa had a match, like I said, with Aleister Black. Johnny Gargano tried to get involved, tried to screw over Tommaso. I'm going to be very excited to watch this match afterwards. And Ciampa beat Aleister Black for the title. Now, obviously, this is going to go into the Gargano-Ciampa feud. That will probably, is what I'm assuming, inevitably end up with Johnny beating Ciampa and winning the title. Redemption, redemption, that whole entire thing. Aleister Black, I think, is still going to go for another match after this. Probably is what I'm assuming at this takeover. That, that will be the rematch for that because he lost, you know, because of interference. And that's, you know, that, and he also, champions in their claws, they ever, you know, they're entitled to a rematch or whatever bullshit that is. Um, see that happening soon. But, Chris, with, with the announcement of that, you know, is to ch- is Tommaso Ciampa not one of the best heels right now going? Uh, do you think Aleister Black could be going up to Maine even as soon as after SummerSlam? And uh, what do you think is going to happen with Tommaso Ciampa being the champion? I think that Ciampa is going to get a bit of a run here, honestly. 
because I think that he is the top heel um, in wrestling, all of wrestling right now. Uh, I would probably go Callahan and, and Cody Rhodes as the follow-up to that, but just heel in general across the business. Chapa, I think, has more heat than anyone. Um, it makes sense. They need a strong heel there. I think they did well with Bobby Roode there, and I think they did well with Samoa Joe. For whatever reason, they have a hard time uh, with babyface champions. Um, as far as NXT champions go, uh, I think you know Kevin Owens had a good run. It seems like whenever they have a top heel, it helps everyone around them uh, in the title picture, and it makes sense to get it on Ciampa and maybe you know pass it over to Gargano if they want to go that route. Or if they're not calling Alistair up, it could be a way to set up either turning Alistair heel or figuring out a way to kind of make him more of a monster, whether it's destroying Eddie Edwards and Ciampa. Or it, there's tons of ways they can go out of that. My guess is that Alistair is coming up, um, and this is a way to get the belt off of him and have a natural feud that people care about right off the bat. And I think, you know, with Alistair's last couple of matches, I don't think people were super into I don't think they were super into his matches since he's got the belt. Like, once he got the belt, like, people, there wasn't any legitimate opponents for him. Um, and they didn't do a good job of building them. I mean, giving him Lars Sullivan is not really what you would want. So, I wouldn't be surprised. That's like if he giving Daniel up. Bryan like, big cast. Yeah, I could see them, I could see them doing something else. Um, I, I could see him getting the title back, but. It, all signs point to him coming up. My worry is that he comes up, they put him on Raw, and they smash him in with Bray Wyatt or Matt Hardy for some ungodly reason because they just continuously oh want to do that. Anytime someone has any mysticism about them at all, they want to just smash those guys together. So hopefully they don't go that route. But uh, I, I think it's a good opportunity for Ciampa, and I think it's going to be interesting to watch the uh, next few weeks of NXT. Um, and definitely, I mean, I think it's a situation as far as the title goes and what we're talking about, why they get out in front of it, is because it's helped them in the past boost ratings by going ahead and telling you, hey, if you really hate that, he's going to win the title. I mean, it worked with Mick Foley. Obviously, people just really wanted to see Mick Foley won. And it was one of the downfalls of WCW, where people simultaneously all switched at the same time to see Mick Foley win the championship. Me Maybe they feel like, yeah, it's not going to hurt Ciampa to... Uh, be announced as a champion beforehand. And they recently did it with Adam Cole, so I don't really have a problem with it. But, no. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what it brings towards NXT, and I love the way they book NXT. I love the matches. I love the feuds. And like like we said, you know, Tommaso is – he is probably the top heel in wrestling right now, and, and that's awesome. Um, you know, it, it, it is – it's like him, Sammy – uh, Cody, which Cody seems like he's going a little baby face, which I don't know was a good idea. He was on fire as a heel. But uh, Jay White is now someone that's definitely taking that mantle. Of course, there's always Minoru Suzuki and Chris Jericho, some of the older guys still doing heelish shit, and The Miz. And uh, we'll talk more about The Miz uh, a little bit later. But, uh, yeah, definitely love Tommaso Ciampa. And he's getting so buff, man. There was a picture of him with the title, on, and he's on the, uh, the ring post. Chris, and he looked like, I don't know if you'll get this reference, he looked like this buff, evil owl from, from Rockadoodle. Um, he just looked scary as <laughs> shit, like this monster, <laughs> mythical, evil demon guy with a long beard, like cackling with his, he looked like, he, he looked scary. And I, I props to him, man. He, he's put on muscle, he comes up sinister, he performs it great. Him and Johnny are giving us a wonderful story. Uh, to watch. So, 
definitely looking forward to seeing what that happens. And I mean, Alistair is my, one of my favorite wrestlers in NXT, but you know, I don't think, I think like Chris said, he was better when the title wasn't on him and they were putting better opponents. It just seems like, uh, so who knows? Uh, him on Ross gives shit out of me. Um, I think that they would just rush into him being either involved with, like you said, Bray Wyatt, or rush into, which they should work to a feud with Finn Balor. That makes sense. It, and it has to be Demon versus Aleister Black at the pay-per-view. It can't be just Finn. Their styles and everything, it makes sense. But don't do that right away. And I think they kind of did that with Bray and Finn, and it fucked things up. This would be a much better concept. And obviously, if, if you can try to get Taker in some way to have some type of, even a segment with him, you know, I think that would help out Alistair build him a little bit more um, because he definitely has that aura. Just don't fucking overly compare him to The Undertaker like you did to Bray Wyatt until that's all people see and want. Uh, that's, that's the bad concept of that. So who knows? Uh, I think that is a possibility that he could come up uh, very soon, like within the fall. I don't know. I just kind of wish that they keep him in NXT to make sure that his run ends up being as fulfilling as it was at the beginning. Um, I was going to end the spoiler. Chris, do you have anything quick to say about that before we move on? No, I'm just super hyped that you made a Rock-A-Doodle reference, man. It's like one of my favorite childhood movies. Rock-A-Doodle! They, they, yeah, man. I, they I hate the sun the that much we know. But they hate the rooster. They'll never let him crow. <laughs> Don't never ever let him crow, man. Oh Don my Bluth, god! Man. I'm gonna, I'm... I know, man. <laughs> I definitely. Uh, oh, but, um, man. Great movie. This is a great movie. You guys get a chance to watch Rockadoodle. It's an animated movie. I was a little kid. Fell in love with this movie. It scared me. That's back when cartoons, and I love Disney. Back when cartoons, that that same style with uh, Secret of the Nymphs and. Um, and that, and uh, a couple other movies, uh, We're Back, A Dinosaur Story. They were scary, but it was okay. It was kind of like Tim Burton almost. And yeah, man, that movie had everything. I don't know, maybe, maybe, maybe the movie like had that, everything, kind of dude. Up that it had Coraline and, and those style movies. I don't know. Yeah, those seem like they're more aimed to teens, though, to me. Like, Rock-A-Doodle was aimed towards kids. Yeah. It had everything. It had, it had a love story. It had a scary-ass owl. It had an Elvis impersonating rooster. Like, what else do you want? Had Las Vegas, helicopter. Also, Glenn Campbell, rest in peace, was the voice of Rockadoodle. It's definitely worth checking out. Never seen Rockadoodle. This is a wrestling podcast, and now we're doing kids' movie reviews. So <laughs> we're switching it up for you guys. So just um, just, just stay right there, guys. Uh, soon we'll be, ha- we'll be going commentary over Rockadoodle. Me and Chris will sit down. Uh, I'm serious. We have chances to project in the future. Uh, once that actually is available, we'll, we'll bring some weird content, to, like like commentary for Rockadoodle. But uh, until then, Chris, we watched a pay-per-view, and it wasn't WWE. Um, it wasn't uh, NXT, New Japan, Ring of Honor. It was actually Impact. And it might be not the best pay-per-view that they've had because – well, with Impact, I, I can't say that because the lineage of TNA goes to a period that I know was really good that I wasn't around for. But either way, this might be one of the best, uh, best pay-per-views of this year, the matches, match quality. And not only that, I was very impressed by the cinematography, the production, the video packages. I could be wrong, but it seems like with Don Callis and a lot of the new changes that they've made, you know, they're going in a pretty positive direction to at least be someone 
as formidable as NXT or Ring of Honor. Yeah, I mean, I I agree with you. I think that they're taking steps in the right direction. I'm not ready to go full in on it, but what I would say is the pay-per-view was very enjoyable. I think they had three really good matches, um, and it's been a long time since I could say that about one of their pay-per-views. And I think they've gotten uh, better week after week. And uh, Ray Phoenix being there has went a long way. Uh, Austin Aries being there has went a long way. Their ability to incorporate even some of the older wrestlers, such as Tommy Dreamer, etc., um, the stuff they've done with Eddie Edwards and Sammy Callahan, I think they're moving in the right direction. Um, the one thing that's been a little weird is they're kind of filling a void that's not in mainstream wrestling with almost a hardcore element to it. Not, I don't want to say full-bore ECW, but that, that kind of feel to it, a little more of the edginess and just straight brawling, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I, I do know what you mean, and correct me if I'm wrong, that's something that even TNA was kind of known for with their Abyss versus Sabu matches and, you know, stuff like that of that nature, right? Yeah, I mean, definitely they, they leaned into that a lot. I mean, there was even in early, we're talking probably 2006, 2007, they even had stuff like, you know, barbed wire matches. They've had the monster ball matches, but this just felt like kind of, Hardcore done right, not over too over the top, just good overall as far as, you know, their, it, I, what I would consider their three best matches all were hardcore matches during this event. Yeah, you're saying good, not not uh, as in like supreme versus lighter fluid uh, bad. Um, yeah. But no, I, I would compl- completely agree with you. And Slammiversary was a good show. You, as you know, you know I watch. I've been watching Impact from time to time, and I've definitely seen a change in quality of the product. And I try. I stopped watching it after uh, a little while, but I tried watching Impact about a year ago, and it see it, it sounds like from these guys that they were more pigeonholed, or they didn't want to have to do as as much in creative, or they weren't even hired in the first place for creative, which which blows my mind. But you know, when I when I tried Impact about a year ago, Chris, you had people like Bruce Pritchard that was helping out. Dutch Mentel that was helping out. Uh, Jim Cornette for a little while was over there. And all of them ended up leaving. Uh, you had Jeff Jarrett come back. Every problem with Alberto El Patron, um, there was a lot of just craziness. The product kept on getting just more swept up and all the shit. They had the right intentions because they started just implementing them, working with, you know, um, Blay and Lucha Underground and, um, just different promotions, stuff like that. They were trying to make themselves look global, which is something that WWE is actually building right now as you speak. And I think that aspect definitely stayed. A lot of the good, like I said, those, those creative minds left, but then you had Don Callis come in and a lot of the other people that have been working with it. You can tell a difference, for me at least, that someone that watched it a year ago to now, and the depth of the storyline and them developing it because, honestly, the Sammy Callahan Eddie Edwards story was done well on accident at first, obviously, but it ended up being a great storyline that really, I mean, was summed up tonight at Slammiversary, and uh, it was a lot of fun. I'm actually pretty thrilled uh, from this pay per view. I, I actually like, I, I think the last pay per view I watched from them was Slammiversary from last year, and I had a lot of fun with that too. Um, no, maybe I watched Bound for Glory. I think I did watch Bound for Glory, but either way, 
let's start off this review. First match, our, our boy uh, Johnny uh, Gimmick Name, a.k.a. Johnny Impact, uh, went against Petey Williams, Ray Phoenix, and the Bone Soldier, uh, Taji Ishimori, who I think this might have been his last, um, you know, contracted match for Impact. He's now going to New Japan. Unless Don Callis worked something out with Gato with being able to use him over here. I don't know. I'm pretty sure this might be his last situation. I mean, it's kind of funny that a, a member of the Bullet Club was in this match. But uh, this is a lot of fun. Ray Phoenix is exhilarating and terrifying at the same time because he's amazing with moves, but sometimes he's a little reckless. And even on the other person, like there's a couple times where he scared me. But Ishimori, and, and it's so funny, he – he ended up doing, I, I forgot what it's called. Um, I think it's the uh, Golden Moonsault or the go- Golden Triangle Moonsault. It's something that Kota Ibushi does. But he reminds me of Kota Ibushi, just a smaller version in a sense, because they delicate with how they jump and project themselves and become so devastating. And it's like they do it like it's effortless. Um, but this is a fun match. It was a four-way match, so it was pretty scatterbrained. You got four performers that are pretty damn good. Uh, Johnny Impact and ended up winning uh, the match, so I'm assuming this might. I don't know if this is the uh, the number one contender match or not. I would hope so because I want to see Johnny actually end up going against Austin Aries and taking the title. Either Moose or, or or Johnny should be the one who takes it away from Austin Aries, in my opinion. But um, how'd you like this match, Chris? I actually really enjoyed it. It was nice seeing Johnny Impact get a win, uh, coming straight back, you know, uh, from his little hiatus there. Uh, Overall, man, there was some good stuff. Like I liked uh, there was they had the Canadian destroyer spot on Ishimori. I thought was really good, leading into the uh, finish with a starship paint on on Phoenix. But uh, overall, I, th- I thought it was good back and forth. It was uh, kind of a short match, so they kind of had to rush some of the spots. But it, it was fun. I enjoyed it. Uh, I would say definitely if if you're gonna watch this thing in segments, if you're not gonna sit down and watch the entire pay per view, I would watch this match. It wasn't like I said, it's it. I have some other matches rated higher, but I, I think it was a fun match. Absolutely. Our next match, the undeniable Tester Blanchard versus Allie. Uh, it was actually a really good match. Uh, the two of them, Allie has come a long way, uh, I think, from me seeing her in Impact over the last year or so. Um, I, I really enjoy her as a performer. Tessa Blanchard is a great athlete. I think that she makes her dad pretty proud. Um, some, there was some like awkwardness, if you will, which happens in matches. Um, but I think that one of the most impressive things when Allie hit the DVD, uh, Death Valley Driver outside, that was a pretty cool spot. Um, I enjoyed it. You know, it was, it was a good match. Um, Tessa Blanchard ended up winning from the Hammerlock DDT. I thought the last sequence of her getting that was pretty good. Uh, getting out of the DVD for a second time. Uh, Chris, how did you like this match? I thought it was a decent match. There was a scary spot with a top rope hurricanrana uh, that Tessa hit. Oh, Allie, like, yeah! She, that was kind of like she got caught. Uh, she got caught up in the ropes. I don't think it was either of their faults. I just think it was, you know, bad luck. Um, I had some streaming issues during this match uh, with the site I was watching on, so I didn't, I didn't get the full finish. I know that Tessa won, but I, I can't comment on the finish. But up to that spot, I thought it was pretty good you know, a pretty decent match. I like the Death Valley driver spot on the floor. Um, overall, I mean, for a, a knockouts match, I thought it was pretty good. Tessa Blanchard is uh, a damn good wrestler, and 
it's I think that you know that one spot kind of detracted from the match for me. It scared the shit out of me. But outside of that, um, in in the fact that I was just having streaming issues at the time with uh, Fight, I believe is the feed that they use. Uh, out, outside of that, I thought it was pretty good overall. Yeah, I, man, I, I and I think it will inevitably happen. But I want to see Tessa Blanchard versus Charlotte Flair so bad, even more so. Like after seeing her. Um, as she's been an impact for the last couple of months. But uh, next match was awesome match, um, House of Hardcore match. Eddie Edwards went against the innovator of violence, Tommy Dreamer. We had a sum-up package going back to, you know, Eddie's been having this whole entire problem with Callahan. Uh, he almost lost his career. It kind of got to his head. Um, really cool visuals. And I know it kind of like, some people would say, why are they doing that? You know, the breaking cave, babe. They're just showing you that. Who gives a fuck? Like, I, I think that they learned from Lucha Underground of this style of being able to add some more depth to everything, and we all know it's a work. So I have no problem with them, them doing these cinematic things like him looking in the mirror and Sam Callahan's there, and then he's gone and, you know, freaking out. I liked all the stuff where he was – he basically thinks that – and Tommy's just trying to help him. After beating Sammy, he still just messed up from this. Very similar in aspect to how Johnny's going about Tommaso Ciampa right now. Um, he's just getting to a point where he's snapping. His girlfriend is, you know, worried about him. Now he's accusing the two of them. And I, I definitely don't think that they're going to go this route with NXT, but is accusing Tommy Dreamer of sleeping with his wife and just kind of just gone off hinge. And this match, they beat the shit out of each other. I mean... I think I, I have not seen a match, at least I can't recall, that had a, a fucking staple gun involved, which was honestly, I think the only blood that happened was that first staple gun to the head uh, when he tried to do the um, sunset flip. That was that looked pretty damn painful. Um, but everything else was just like body shots with friggin' everything, you know. I mean, kendo sticks, obviously. Inevitably, Eddie Edwards... Uh, after a long match of getting just thrown outside and just roughed around and everything, Eddie Edwards would end up winning with the Boston Meat Party. Um, afterwards, he started crying. Uh, his girlfriend then came out. It was kind of awkward a little bit. His girlfriend came, or his wife came out, I should say, um, told him it's over. He hugged Tommy, um, and Tommy ended up giving him the kendo stick like he passed him the torch or something. It's funny, Chris, because they took – you know, Eddie Edwards, I don't ever think, you know, was a bad wrestler. I think his wrestling ability was good. Uh, but he wasn't really – it was like him and Davey were a great tag team dynamic, much more of a uh, – not a Chris Benoit, but like more quieter, obviously, you know, kind of proved his stuff in the ring sort of guy. And he's had his evolution, he's, he's turning him into Tommy Dreamer. Kind of find that a little bit awkward, but still a cool moment, brutal friggin' match. Um, what did you think about the staple guns before that? I, I thought it was fun. I mean, they've, it's not the first time Tommy's done that, and you know, it could be that they just bladed it. They didn't actually do a staple. Did they actually show the staple in his head? I can't remember if they. Um, I, just, I, I don't remember. Pulled it right out. If I remember correctly, so I don't know that he actually even staple. I mean, part of it, you know, don't look behind the curtain kind of thing. Uh, so I didn't really have a problem with it. Um, the coolest spot to me in this match is where Dreamer totally pulled an old school ECW move and just grabbed a title from out, you know, in the, like I obviously probably planted, but grabbed the ECW title and hit Edwards with it. Um, 
which I thought was like a really cool spot. And then also uh, there was the Spicoli driver through the two chairs. That spot was uh, oh yeah. Um, there was a lot of fun stuff in this match. It did it did uh, harken back to a little bit of nostalgia of ECW in a way that I appreciated. This match isn't going to be for everyone. If you're not into hardcore, you're probably not going to like this match. It's definitely not Eddie Edwards' best technical match, but I think it uh, no. You know, you're he's wrestling a limited Tommy Dreamer. I thought Tommy Dreamer did a lot in this match, considering the miles that he has on his body at this point. It was kind of impressive uh, overall. It was a uh, for me, it was like kind of a trip down memory lane, especially the ECW title, and I, I really enjoyed it. I liked it a lot. It's one of my favorite map, uh, matches of the night. Um, I'm not going to say it's the best match in ring, but uh, visually and the story that they told us, I don't know where they're going to go out of it. I, I kind of wish that he would have just beat Dreamer and not kind of did this like passing of the torch thing that they're going with. But outside of that, um, like I said, I really enjoyed the match. You know, if you're a technical wrestler and you're getting to your 30s, I don't think you want to switch it up and all of a sudden go the hardcore out. That would be kind of a weird alternative uh, concept. But, hey, they put on a good performance, and I love Tommy Dreamer. So what are you going to do? Um, next match, we had the Impact X Division Championship on the line when reborn Matt Seidel went against the machine, Brian Cage, who <laughs> Brian Cage is on fire, at least with the Impact audience, Chris. They're really into him. He's he's over every place, and I mean, he's got that Goldberg concept, but at least the guy can work in the ring. Um, but yeah, he's 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 a scary roided looking dude. I, well, I don't want to say roided. I don't think he's steroids. Um, but this match was was good. It was it was a little bit sloppy at certain parts, just because I think I mean they're very two different body types, obviously. So it's gonna be harder for them to do it. But Brian Cage does some stuff that uh, is pretty crazy. Um, Try and think, like, the biggest thing at the end of it, he got the drill claw. But that, that, that is one part that I wanted to mention is that at the end of the thing, it, Matt Seidel looked like he fell while he was doing the shooting star press. I, I think that was on purpose. But when they showed the camera angle of him directly hitting contact with the ring, it looked like he fell right on his head to be followed up to do the drill claw, which is a uh, alternate version of the screwdriver, and his head got drilled into the mat again. So I'm hoping that obviously nothing's wrong with Matt Seidel. I thought they had a pretty decent match, and we have a new exhibition champion, someone that probably deserves it because he's been doing uh, pretty well since he started over at Impact. Uh, how'd you feel about this match, Chris? I thought it was just okay. I wasn't super high on it. I like Brian Cage. I think that um, he has a lot of talent. He was obviously he was in. Before NXT, he was down in FCW with some of those guys like uh, Bo Dallas and um, God Justin Gabriel. I think was down there at the time. So he's 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 been down. He was with you know I think you know there was a lot of people that he wrestled with around that time. He was trained by Norman Smiley. I think he's got talent. I this just wasn't a great match overall. But he is he does seem like he's kind of hit a stride and is. Over with the crowd, at least. At least the Impact fans, as far as I can tell from the past few Impact events I've watched. Uh, I wasn't a huge fan of the match itself, though, just to be completely honest. No, and I, th- I think the, the the disappointing thing about that is that X Division usually means this is going to be a... Bu- it's, it's like an, an Intercontinental Championship match for WWE or, you know, uh, 
even the junior light heavyweight, if you will, like that type of concept kind of goes through your head. This is going to be an excellent match. And I just think that they, they differ in style. That's what I'm going to, I'm going to at least blame it on. They looked a little clunky in the ring. They might've worked with each other better in the past, but yeah, I didn't think the match was that great either. Um, I don't want to really make grades, but actually it might have been my least favorite on the whole entire card. Um, but let's go into another match. We had um, Impact Knockout Championship match with the champion, the Undead Bride, Sue Young, versus Madison Rain. Um, I'm going to be honest with you, Chris. I don't really remember a lot of this match. Um, I, I think that Sue Young is awesome. I think I, I really enjoy her. Um, I think that I believe that, that is uh, Rich Swan's um, better half. And uh, they're good friends with our our good friend uh, in in the in the community of uh, Thomas Burrington, professional wrestler, badass dude. Um, but she her gimmick is great. I love she's mixing the great Muta with uh, Samara from the ring, basically aspects of Muta throughout it. But the movements, the weird entourage and zombie thing that kind of bothers me in some points, but you know, it's fine. Kind of an Undertaker type of feel, if you will, with the coffin. She's definitely someone that has mystique, and it comes off really well. I'm just, I've seen Madison Rain. I think she's a fine wrestler. She just doesn't do anything for me. Um, I I don't know. But uh, they they didn't do anything, I don't, I don't think, wrong. Uh, but at the end of it, uh, Su Young ended up winning. Um, it, was, it, was, it was a decent match. How do you think about it? I, I've never been a fan of Madison Rain, even going back to probably uh, God, 2011, 2012, when I was really watching it on a weekly basis. She's just never to me, been that interesting. Um, but the match itself, I thought was okay. I do like Sue Young's gimmick. I think it's interesting. I also like the um, the fact that her finisher is the mandible claw. I think it's not something you see used very often. And I like the finish of the match, but. Uh, yeah, I, I don't expect a lot out of a Madison Rain match, and that you know I appreciate everything that she's done um, with sticking with TNA, and it's just kind of been there for long. Well, I don't want to say a long time. I don't want to sound like she's a hundred years old or anything, but she's she's a veteran of TNA, put it that way. Um, and she's had some good gimmicks over the years. She's just never been one of my favorites. Let's just say that. I agree. All right, let's go to the next match: the Impact Tag Team Championship. A 51-50 street fight, which is the exact same thing as the House of Hardcore, which is the exact same thing as a hardcore match, which is the exact... Never mind. Anyways. Um, Impact Tag Team Champions, LAX, Santana, and Ortiz with Conan. Went against the OGs, Homicide and Hernandez with King. Uh, Big brawl. They had this whole entire thing going up where Conan, um, someone put a hit out on him. He was missing comes back and tells them that it's King, this guy that they've been working with, that's screwing them over. Uh, they had a moment on the match leading up to this where King admits that he was doing that to Conan, and, you know, they think that everything's okay, like LAX is going to whoop his ass, and then the OGs, who are Homicide, veteran wrestler, and Hernandez, another veteran wrestler, uh, probably not as well-known as Homicide, but trained by uh, Mr. HBK Shawn Michaels. Way back in the day, same class as uh, Daniel Bryan and uh, whatchamacallit, um, oh man, uh, Brian Kendrick. Anyways, yeah, random knowledge from Dane. Um, this was a pretty brutal, awesome friggin' match, though. Like, right away, 
I have to complain just a little bit. I know you got to do it, and I know it's going to be at some point in the match, but setting up those tables right away over there, it's like I knew eventually that was going to happen. And from the beginning, it was kind of like just they kind of like just stayed there. I knew one of them was not properly set up because people just kept on trying to fuck with it and put it back up to the right position. Um, it just comes off more natural and fluid like it's supposed to – like it's not um, thought about – like it's not planned, basically. When you go grab the table, for this up a spot, bring them in the ring, set it up, and then do the thing. I don't know. Small little thing that was bothersome. Everything else was a lot of fun. And I want to say that Hernandez, for some reason, stood out in this match. It's not like a lot of the in-ring work, but just had the way that he acted. Like, I don't know. It was, it was, it was, it was funny. It was a lot of fun. Um, and the, the still impact champions, LAX, won with a frog splash, thumbtack. That was a brutal spot. Uh, Conan throws something to, I believe, Ortiz. He grabs it, pours out thumbtacks all over it, grabs Homicide, lays him out on that, goes and does a frog splash, three count, win. How'd you like this match, Chris? I thought it was an awesome match for what it was. Uh, the 5150 street fight thing comes from Bully Ray by the way, because he always did it like a 51. He always, I, I guess he's a huge Eddie Van Halen fan, the only thing I can get out of that, but he always had like 5150 gear. I think he coined that term when he was he was there. So it's weird they put it like, I don't, I don't know why they called it the 5150 Street Fight. But just just throw that out there. I'm pretty sure it has something to do with Billy Ray or Billy, Bully Ray's uh, legacy as far as what he was doing in Impact. Um, that being said, Border toss through the table, I thought was fucking awesome. Um, the finishing spot, thumbtacks was really cool. I thought the story going into this was really good. Uh, it had almost a lucha underground feel to it, as far as how over the top it was. But I actually really enjoyed it, and I thought the payoff was uh, was interesting. With uh, obviously Conan still getting attacked after the match was over, um, which I think Don Callis said that he was getting hit with a sock with a billiard ball in it. But it looked, it just looked like a strap to me, as far as I could tell. But uh, yeah, oh, I, I enjoyed the match a lot. I thought it was, uh, I thought it was, I thought it was a lot of fun. And it was, um, as far as hardcore matches go, um, I, I think you got two different kinds. You got more of just a straight brawl with Eddie Edwards and Tommy Dreamer, and this one was a little more athletic, where you had obviously um, these moves going back. And, I, and LAX has been kind of an underrated tag team for a long time. Um, and yep, I, I tend to agree with you. I think uh, you know Hernandez is looked over a lot, but he's always, even going back to when I was super into TNA, I always thought he was a, uh, a very good wrestler. So I'm not surprised on how good the match was, but it was a lot of fun to watch. I agree. All right. We got a hair versus mask match, which if anyone really thought Pentagon was going to lose in this, I mean, come on, Sammy Callahan doesn't even have that much fucking hair in his head. Uh, the death machine, Sammy Callahan versus Pentagon Jr. Uh, another great video set up for this. But Pentagon's acting all, you know, scary and in the dark and stuff like that. And, yeah, Sammy just trying to get you enraged. I mean, he's just been building this great um, – I mean, it, it, he took something that could have fucked his career up pretty badly, um, like a sexy star type of concept. Except for sexy star obviously, you know, uh, went in on Rosemary without her knowing and did something – and with Sammy, it was an accident, but you shouldn't be fucking – I don't know why there would be a baseball bat. We're not going to go into that. He took that whole thing, though, 
and use that as a way to get on all these type of, of shows like Chris Jericho and stuff like that and project a character I really believe is partially him just turned up the, the, the anger, you know, kind of of this whole entire experience of I made, I, I, I made an accident. I'm not a horrible wrestler. That animosity really brewed in him, but he projected onto the character. And I still don't know. He had an interaction with Bully Ray on Busted Open, and it didn't seem staged, and they got pretty, you know, it was over the phone, but they, they were cussing each other out and shit like that. So, and he, keeps, he was on Jericho, very, very aggressive, uh, just building this with different people, starting feuds over the Internet. And, you know, this whole entire thing happened with Eddie and him, where they had these matches, and they kind of used that as a way to platform both of them. Eddie definitely needed the help of Tommy Dreamer to kind of get him there. Sammy, just his heel work of being able, and obviously OVE, who's not the tag team by themselves, you know, them being this, like, little faction uh, definitely just worked. And the only thing I could ask is, I guess he's supposed to just be vile and shit like that, but I wish he didn't spit as much. You know, he has to spit a loogie every time the fucking camera's on his face, but that's just a small little thing, but... Him and Pentagon Jr. beat the shit out of each other. All I, I mean, the main blood that you saw definitely was caused by other things, but the part where they had the railroad spikes uh, probably sticks out in my head, and they were just bashing each other over the head, uh, making themselves bleed more than they already were. Sammy just bleeding, bleeding, and then they both hit each other at the same time. There were chair shots, uh, just head chair shots, which I was very surprised the ending where Pentagon nailed both Chris brothers and then nailed uh, Sammy in the head. Uh, but just a lot of brutality, man. And that I, – I really think that Pentagon is extremely underrated. I think he's one of those wrestlers that it's not shouldn't be in WWE, but could definitely do it uh, no problem. Even if he hasn't had the best English, he connects with crowds. I've seen him do it in multiple different platforms. He's always huge wherever he is. Fun wrestler, you know, certain elements, a little bit of Mysterio, certain elements, a little bit of Sting, you know, just, just everything. He's just a, a Muda even, you know, and, and I enjoy watching him. I think he's someone that they could do a lot of stuff with in NXT and hopefully for WWE. Um, but I like the ending where, where Sammy tried to screw them over, get the hell out of Dodge. Phoenix helped them out, and they shaved and balled. Uh, pretty fun match, Chris. What did you think about this? I, I thought it was easily the match of the night. There's a lot of things I enjoyed about it. I Just the gimmick itself, doing a hair versus uh, mask match, just doesn't happen in the United States that often. It's more of a triple-A thing, so I found that very intriguing. I hadn't – I'm sure they've done it. They did. I know they did it in WCW, specifically with uh, Rey Mysterio at one point. I think that's how he lost his – mask in WCW, but uh, it's been a long time since I saw one of these on an American show, so that was kind of cool in itself, just seeing the gimmick, and then overall, like, the, the obviously the spot uh, with the spike was was kind of cool, unique. I haven't seen that in a long time, as far as the spike being brought into the ring. Um, the crowd was into it the entire time. Uh, it was a brutal match. One of my favorite spots uh, is Callahan grabbed some powder, and old-school healed uh, Pentagon threw it in his eyes or whatever, and then Pentagon somehow grabs the ref and just breaks his arm. And I, I can't remember what move Callahan hit, but he, he hits a move and he goes for the pin, but the ref couldn't pin, like, count because his arm was broken. <laughs> like, yeah. I thought that was, like, kind of, a, kind of a fun spot. 
Um, obviously a little ridiculous, but it was it was uh, it was fun. Uh, and overall, man, I think this match. God, it was almost 30 minutes long, but it didn't seem like it. It was just a, a lot of fun. And it's, it was a lot different than everything else I've seen in a long time in wrestling. Uh, it had a different feel about it. I think they built Sammy Callahan really well. I think pretty much any face you put him against, uh, he's going to definitely get all the heel heat, which is what, what you would go for. And um, him trying to get out of getting his haircut at the end, classic as always getting brought back into the ring Ray Phoenix being there and showing up to help out his Lucha brother uh, to cut the hair I thought was, it was a really fun spot it was a great match I think it's, it definitely separated itself from everything that's out there currently as um, far as United States wrestling goes So I, I, I found it uh, very awesome and hopefully they do more of that kind of stuff um, it's, you know there was three kind of hardcore matches on the show but they were all different um, and that's a good thing. So I, like I said, I, this was my match of the night. And that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. No, that's what I thought <laughs> about. When I said that. Um, yeah, this was just, it was an awesome match. Um, I think both those guys too. They're they're. I think Pentagon when it comes to non WWE or even with WWE and wrestling, he is one of those just awesome, fun baby faces. And Sammy is one of those great fucking heels. So them working together, they definitely made it work. Um, and then we had our main event for the Impact Championship match. The belt collector himself, Austin Aries, versus Moose. Moose. Sorry. If you actually saw me, um, I was doing that with my arm, kind of like a choo-choo train, if you will. Um you should know what I'm talking about. Okay, we're talking about Impact Wrestling. You know who Moose is. MLB player Curtis Granderson uh, is introduced as the holder of the belt at the beginning of the event. That was pretty neat. Um, had, it really had a big fight feel is what they were trying to go for, and it, I think it definitely worked for him. Um, but very, very physical match, I will say, Chris. Especially, like, I'm very surprised that, you know, as big as Moose is, Austin Aries seemed, and I mean, I guess another company should have uh, viewed him as this. He seemed like he could go toe-to-toe, you know, just strikes. and Those chops were just annihilating. Moose, every time he does the spot where he throws the person in the turnbuckle and then runs and does a drop kick, but still hits it. So he's not killing them with his size, obviously. But I, it, it, the guy is, a, is, is pretty freaky for someone his size to be able to be agile. It just... We keep on seeing that in wrestling now, where it's like bigger guys can do crazy things. And it's just like, what the hell? I'd still love to see that guy versus um, Ron Strowman. I think that would be a lot of fun. But they uh, they were just beating the living hell out of each other. And uh, I really enjoyed the spot where Moose uh, tried to hit the discus clothesline and Aries – no, no, he hit the discus clothesline and Aries counters a spear right after with the last chancery. Um, that was awesome. I, I actually really did enjoy this match. I thought it was awesome. Uh, Austin Aries ended up winning, though, with the Brain Buster. Kind of a lackluster compared to some other spots in the match where it was like, you know, one of them ended up, like, you know, going out on the third count. But still a fun wrestling match nonetheless. Another great headbutt spot where Austin went to basically, I guess, block Moose's headbutt with his own, and they both, like, just nailed each other and kind of, like, stood Days. I think Moose is really good at selling that type of stuff. 
a lot of it, the hits that uh, Austin was giving him. Austin Aries is a great wrestler, just all around. Great promos, great heel, great face, great in-ring work. He's an awesome wrestler. And uh, like I said, I think my favorite match actually was the same match as yours, but I think this might be second with the tag match being three. But um, what did you think about this match? I, I really enjoyed it. I thought there were some really fun spots, like uh, specifically Moose th- throwing Aries into the crowd. Obviously, they were, pl- they were planted. Um, Impact does that, but it was still a fun, kind of cool spot. And then also uh, the um, Brain Buster on the outside with Aries going back into the ring to try to get the count out. And then as soon as he came in, he punted Moose in the head and then hit him with the Brain Buster, kind of the finish of the match. I thought that was kind of kind of cool. I was actually surprised. I, I honestly thought Moose was going to end up winning the match, winning the title here. Uh, but it makes sense to Me keep too. it on Aries. I think there's more people for him to go against than Moose at the moment. I wouldn't be surprised if Moose gets the title soon. I just think that they're... I think they're going to try to build up... Um, I don't know what they're going to do, because right now Aries is kind of a babyface. So they have more heels on the roster than babyfaces. I don't know. It's weird. But I, I could, from a booking standpoint, I think it makes a little sense to keep it on Aries. But the way they built this up, I thought that this was going to be Moose getting the title. Um, so they pulled the wool over my eyes. No, I, I completely agree with you. And uh, basically, that's our review of Impact Slammiversary. I mean, me and Chris, and we, we I think me and you come off like we like all forms of wrestling, but. You know, I've been told beforehand, um, I give, I've given Impact a lot of criticism in the past. I think they're headed in a really good direction. I had a lot of fun in this pay-per-view. They worked hard on it. Uh, the production was great. Like I said, like all the – like, I, I will even say this. I'm not, this is not a, a diss that probably I think is either my favorite or my second favorite wrestling, but New Japan, at least especially compared to their last pay-per-view, production-wise, they could learn a lot, maybe from Don Callis, if he works for him, of whatever he, his guys were doing uh, to make it, like, look visually better. Not the packages or anything like that, but, like, you know, shot for shot, being able to get every type of thing and not being out there. It's always something that kind of bothers me with New Japan. But, um, I mean, they still kind of killed them on wrestling and a lot of other stuff. But I think that Impact is making strides to push forward and are going in a positive direction. Chris, do you have anything else to say before we move on? No, that's it, man. I uh, thought it was a good show, and um, like I said, I, I've been a TNA fan in the past. I've fallen off and then back on the wagon and then back off. They go through ups and ebbs and flows. They have for since I was super into it in like 2006. I think there's been you know certain time periods where it's been really good and certain time periods where it's really bad. Hopefully this is a step in the right direction. I thought they were going there when they got Jim Cornette back for that storyline. Um, and then it kind of sputtered out. And uh, I think right now with the talent they have coming from AAA, getting impact back, having Aries there, um, having a good tag team division, some good knockout talent. I think they're, they're moving in the right direction. I think if they consistently try to make themselves different, which is what made TNA good to begin with, which made it kind of the original alternative to WWE. Um, I think that if they can continue to differentiate themselves and build fun matches like we saw in this pay-per-view, I think they could, uh, I could get interested again in a way that I haven't been in a long time. So I, you know, I thought it was a good pay-per-view and I think the feuds going into it were 
for the most part, the storylines were pretty good. The Tommy Dreamer one was a little weird, uh, just the way they finished it off. A little bit of that, but I enjoyed enjoyed it for the most part. All right, well, let's move on. And for our New Japan report, I will head it back to the New Japan guy, Mr. Brother Ray Patton. How, what are you doing? <laughs> so, um, basically, I'm just going to pull up the, the standings here because I don't think we're going to have time to go through. God, we went through, what, one in, night one and two on the last show, and we're yeah. up to night seven. So, <laughs> let's see if I can get my G1 standings pulled up. So in the A block we have we have uh we have Jay White at six points, which is actually surprising. He's three and one. We have Evil at six points, who's three and one, and we have Tanahashi at six points, who's three and one. Following that up you have uh Makabe who's at four points, Elgin at four points, Suzuki at four points, Okada at four points, Hangman Page at two, Bad Luck Folly at two, and Yoshihashi at two. In the B block you have Kenny Omega at six, Kodai Bushi at four. Sonata at four, Nato at four, Ishii at four, Tamatanga at two, Goda at two, Zack Sabre Jr. at two, which to me is, is kind of surprising, uh, Yano at two, and Juice Robinson is 0-3. Um, so I guess coming out of this, are there any specific matches that you've seen that really stood out, of you, uh, stood out um, I guess, from night two going forward? And uh, just... What are your thoughts on the tournament thus far? And is there anyone, based on the current standings, who who is your standout to win from Block A and to win from Block B? Ooh, so many questions. Um, I have to say that I have been impressed with all the matches that Jay White has been doing, and how he's kind of taking. I'm not gonna. I mean, if you will, he he's he's projecting himself like he's the legend killer, if you will, like all the ones that are deemed of glory, like Tanahashi and Okada, will fall underneath my feet. And I I actually, I really, I think that Jay White might be, so far, my standout. I'm so surprised, though, that um, Adam Page and Zack Sabre Jr. are so low. I really am. I, I thought they would have more stuff on, and Juice Robinson's obviously not doing too well either. Um, but, you know, the top guys make sense. Uh Kenny being at the top makes a lot of sense. I could see him going pretty far. Obviously, he's a champion. But Kota Ibushi's been showing some amazing work as well. I think he's my, like the wrestler that dazzled me the most has been every match that Kota's been in. He's been able to bring some amazing uh, in-ring ability to the table. Um, It's just been a lot of fun. And I'm very surprised of how, you know, they're treating Okada. It seems like he's kind of, like, taken back a lot. And, you know, it makes sense. You know, they're projecting some type of storyline element is the fact that he's having problems adjusting almost. Like, at first he was a little bit too confident and a little bit too having fun. And I think that's caught up with him. And now he's going to get a little more serious. And we're going to see the Rainmaker make definitely a comeback, I would assume. Um, Yano has been a lot of fun. Uh, He's taken this new approach of, like, trying to – trying to win by, by using his wrestling skills instead of just being a goofball. No, he ends up going back to the goofball thing, but he's been pretty entertaining being dominant in the matches. And actually, since, you know, most people know the, of his past MMA career, he's actually could be a formidable threat. I thought Ishii would have, or Ishii would have more of an impact because he usually does. Um, he's not doing too 
that at all, though. Um, you know, everyone can basically come back from this. But, yeah, I think, I think that, that, that's mainly it. And then you have the one element I'm not too happy about, which I don't think that you're happy about either, is that it seems like the, the firing squad, their whole thing is to screw up people they don't like. And, you know, even if it ends up screwing up Tamatanga and Bad Luck Fale throughout the tournament, if they can get a hit in on someone, they're almost kind of using that and bringing more storyline than I would like to see shown uh, within the G1 tournament. But those are my major things for sure. Specific matches, it's hard now because I've seen so much stuff, you know, jumbled up. There was an awesome match between, you know, just like a, a brute match between um, Toka McAfee versus, uh, oh, Minoru Suzuki. That was a lot of fun. Uh, that happened, I believe, night three or four. Um, but there's just been there's been a lot of great matches. Um, but I think Abushi, or Kota Abushi and Jay White have stood out the most to me. Yeah, I think the two matches that have stood out the most to me would be Ishii and Goto, um, which was from earlier this week. Uh, they beat the yeah. absolute dog shit out of each other, and then uh, NATO uh, versus Ishii, which was over the weekend, which I thought. Or, uh, not over the weekend. It was last Thursday, last Thursday I believe. Um, I watched it over the weekend. Let's put it that way. But uh, that was a fucking bad. Those have been my two favorite matches thus far: is the NATO Ishii match and then the uh, the Ishii uh, Goto match. And fucking Ishii had two bangers in this tournament so far. Um, which, you know, he's got four points, so he's still in it. It would be interesting. I think this thing in the B block might come down to Ibushi and Omega just because I think it could be, you know, a start of a feud um, with Ibushi moving on from the B block. I'm not completely convinced that you don't see Jay Wyatt moving from block A. Uh, I think they're getting behind him in a way that makes sense. Um, But I could also see Okada winning the rest of his matches out and going against uh, Kota. In, in the final. So if I had to pick two from each one, I think I would go Jay Wyatt, uh, Jay White and Okada probably is, is the potential two from block A and from block B, I'd probably go, um, uh, Ibushi, Ibushi and then, uh, Ishii actually, which would be very, very cool to see him in the final, but I don't know. Those, those are my two picks as of right now, based on what I've seen thus far. Uh, we got more G1 coming up. So, there's a lot to watch. It's been fun. Uh, I don't think yep. I've been as excited as I was last year for it. I think last year was a little better. Um, but there have been some really great matches. Uh, I believe that uh, What Culture has a pretty good list of the top 20 matches thus far, I would, if you're just looking to watch these one at a time. But, you know, it's there's a lot of G1. Um, some of this stuff is probably, if you're not diehard about it, I would say, you know, look out what the best matches of each night were and check those out. Um, for the most part, each night has been pretty good. Uh, I usually skip through the 3v3 tag matches unless it's something I just really want to see. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's been fun. It, like I said, it just hasn't been – to me, it, it's, not as, it's not as exciting as it was last year. Uh, maybe it'll pick up. It's still kind of early. Uh, once we get more towards the finals, I think we'll, we'll start seeing – you know, 
things settle in a little more, maybe get some some bangers and matches. But uh, so far, like I said, I think he could get Switchblade and uh, probably Switchblade in Okada, one of those two moving out, and then Ibushi and and probably. I still see them going Omega Ibushi here, so Ibushi's probably my pick. I don't I don't think they're gonna put Omega in the final as the champion. So from block B I'm I'm gonna go Ibushi with an outside chance at Ishii if they want to go that route. I want I wanted to end up with uh I I'd like to see Ibushi versus Jay White and Ibushi actually beats Jay White after him doing a bunch of shit in their match and then that kind of builds towards something against him and Kenny. Maybe they can have it where he beats Kenny. <laughs> I knew that would be crazy, but, you know, if anyone could do it, it would be Kota Ibushi. I mean, I love Kenny Omega. He does impress the shit out of me when I see him wrestle. Kota Ibushi is one of those guys, man, where it's like, I don't understand how he just did that with his body. Like, that was fucking insane. Like, the way that he can just, like, that one moonsault that he does so effortlessly off the, you know, he just pops up on the post, turns around, Moonsault. He did it all the way towards the, the 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 gate. You know, I mean, it's just it's absolutely nuts. He just he's fearless as shit. And he's a lot of fun to watch, and it would make a lot of sense storyline wise. I'd also say, um, gotta watch out for uh, Evil. You know, he's got six points, so I don't know. It's still uh, it's still anyone's game, and uh, let's move on to probably just our last thing. I definitely want to wrap up. Chris, some of the stuff that happened on Raw and SmackDown, uh, just because we had some stuff. So I'll just go over uh, most of it in front of me and kind of bring up the big points. We 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 talked about the opening, which was them uh, talking about the Evolution pay per view. Um, I don't think I have any more words to bring to that. We've already talked about how we're happy about it. I did mention that I think there was a little bit about packing, patting themselves on the back, or maybe at least that's how I feel always about Vince when it comes to this. Um, he looked kind of out of place, but, you know, I mean, he's running the company. He allowed all this type of stuff. I can't really try to, like, throw too much shade on him or anything like that. But um, do you have anything else to say about their announcement? I mean, you can throw as much shade on Vince as you want. You're talking about the guy that created the bra and panties match, so, like, throw that shit if you feel like it. <laughs> um, good point. That's a good point. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't have anything else outside of that. <laughs> All right, how do you feel about the B team getting another win in, in, in some goofy-ass manner? Um, so not building them or anything like that. They just keep on kind of falling into it uh, against Matt Hardy and Bray Wyatt. What the hell are they doing with Matt Hardy and Bray Wyatt? And why does Matt Hardy have to take every fucking fall? My guess is it's building up to a feud between Matt Hardy and Bray Wyatt, and they don't actually care about the tag team titles whatsoever. And they're just building the B team as a comedy team until they can get authors of pain on track or whoever's going to be their actual tag team champions. So basically, B team's just transitional, and they might as well make it as funny as possible, I guess. They got to do their thing. Uh, do you think Bailey and Sasha are really friends? I really got to hate this whole segment, and it would have been so awesome. I don't know why when they when they did that spot, Chris where Bailey said, you ain't shit, bitch. Like, that was awesome. I was like, all right, I'm on board. Now let's get this match. Wait, what? Counseling? Wait, why do I have to go to counseling? You don't talk to any other superstar here for any other feud. That's stupid. And then now I mean, they're best friends because she loves her. All <laughs> I wanted Sasha to do, Chris, 
was just like at the end of that, the hugging, knock Bailey down, beat the shit out of her, and say, you ain't. Well, I can't say that. Uh, she could have walked off or some shit. Just, I don't care. This feud's been going on for a year care. and a half, and I don't, don't care. Match was fine. Don't care about the storyline at all. I do agree with you. I think Bailey should have already beat the shit out of Sasha Banks on multiple occasions, but it's drug out so long at this point that even mm-hmm. when it happens, it doesn't mean anything. All right. Do you think that, that Kevin Owens should be able to somehow finagle his way into getting a match against Braun Strowman with the friggin' like, how does it work that without Braun Strowman's permission, they can just put the money in the bank online? Kind of bothered me. And uh, what the hell is going on with Jinder Mahal's new character being this guru, like Zen Master? Oh, God. Um, they've done that before with Money in the Bank. I guess the, the thing about Braun is, is Braun is is going to accept the terms, right? So they don't really have to go there because Braun is the monster among men. He's going to fight all challengers, right? Um, I'll eat your face! I... You know, my thing is, instead of having one heel face Braun, you have three, but none of it's going to matter if you're just going to have Braun destroy all three of them. It's just going to make all three heels look kind of weak. Basically, Corbin's also involved in this thing. So you have Kevin Owens, Baron Corbin, and Jinder Mahal versus Braun Strowman. So basically three heels versus one baby face. So he's going to destroy all of them. It's just going to make all of them look weak. And Kevin Owens literally just got tossed off at the top of the cage and beat Braun. So, if Braun, who you would think would be number one contender, who you would think would be number one contender, even look at me. Oh my God! He said my kids won't even look at me because I come down the stairs with a limp. Like, I love Kevin Owens. What? Like, it's just absolutely ridiculous. Um, is there any way do you think that Kevin Owens could possibly win the Money in the Bank? Like, I don't think they're gonna do that. I would. I'll. I'll I love Kevin Owens, but I'll be pissed if they do have the Braun. And I didn't even want him to have it. You know what? I don't have a problem with it because they probably don't want Braun to win the title in a chicken shit way. And you could have Kevin Owens take the title off Brock and just be a transitional champion and then have Braun destroy him at the next pay-per-view. Because that's kind of how they see Kevin Owens as far as the title run goes. He can run from Braun with the title. You can have a some DQ finishes to keep the belts on him for a little bit, and then eventually, you know, Braun can win it. Um, but I wouldn't be totally against Kevin Owens getting it and beating, you know, Brock Lesnar in a shitty way, similar to, you know, when Seth Rollins got his title run. Uh, just because I brought putting the thing, but my only problem with it is why the hell would you even put it on Braun if you're going to take it off of him to begin with, with the money in the bank? You could, they could have literally put someone else over in that match and it would have been better, but. Oh, no, maybe they're back. Makes no sense. Um, but you could definitely put it on Kevin Owens, and it would make sense um, just because Braun doesn't need it, which is what I said going into Money in the Bank. But I also predicted him to win. So, that's uh, yeah, it's weird. I don't know, three heels. It's either, either Kevin ends up winning or all three of these heels get destroyed is basically what I'm seeing out of this, which sucks. Well, we'll have to wait and see. I'm going to skip that. I'm going to skip that because I don't care. Um, no, nothing storyline-wise. Oh, so we have – oh, Elias dropped his album. Did you listen to it? I didn't fucking listen to it. 
Uh, no, but I need to check it out just to see how funny it is. I mean, it could be it's on, it's interesting. I'm going to check it out. I'm going to, I meant to check it out. I saw that he dropped it and I saw they're putting a, uh, a kind of a WWE network film about Elias Sampson, uh, up to coincide with that album. So I'm interested to see what that is as well. I haven't, I haven't had a chance to check it out there with all the G1 anniversary raw and SmackDown that I've watched. So it's, it's on my to-do list. Well, I think, Finn Balor and Drew McIntyre, I think, had a pretty damn good match. Um, the only thing is, I'm going to call out something that they do all the damn time. Then you have one dude come out. Then the other dude comes out. Then Kurt Angle comes out and goes, we're having a tag match, and switches up. I'm not complaining because the wrestling was good, but they consistently do this. Uh, at the end of it, we find out that Seth Rollins is using his rematch clause. He's going against Ziggler, the IC belt at SummerSlam. Chris. How do you feel about this, that scenario and everything else I was talking about? I agree with you about the tag team match thing. Um, Kurt Angle is channeling his inner Teddy Long, just making every fucking match a tag team match. Um, hey, I, thought the match was, <laughs> I thought the match itself was pretty good, but um, hey, that's all I could think of when he came out to do that was Teddy Long doing his little dance. <laughs> Oh uh, but yeah, the match itself, the the, the match itself it was good. I'm not a huge Drew McIntyre fan. I don't think I'm ever going to get behind him. I keep trying to watch his matches with an open mind. It's just not happening. I just don't like his uh, in-ring style at all. Doesn't mean that he had a bad match. He's just not someone that I see huge potential in like other people do. I guess he's not your. Did you ask about the? Yeah, and and it, uh, as far as did you ask about the Ember Moon match? Uh, no, I haven't yet. Oh, okay. Okay, I was making sure I didn't miss it. But Amber Moon defeated Liv Morgan. Uh, Moon pinned Morgan after an eclipse. She basically beat Morgan twice. I think she beat Morgan, I think beat Logan. Maybe Logan beat her, and then she beat Morgan again. So are we going to have a match against uh, Sarah Logan next week? Is that what they're saying, Chris? That's kind of what it seems like. <laughs> but... Uh... Ember Moon got a win there. I thought she looked good in the match. I just don't, I don't know that the that women's division is weird right now. Uh, the fact they put she's, the belt on Nia so good, and though. they have she's great. She should who she should probably be who actually has the title belt right now. But obviously they want to go with Ronda versus Nia. Um, I don't know why, but that's that's where they're, that's what they're going with. So right I think, now, I think Ronda would work great with Ember Moon. Way better. It'd be a better. It'd be a better match. It'd be a hundred times better. Um, but that being said, right now Ember Moon's just gonna go whoever they put her against, and it just happens to be Liv Morgan. So they could very much wrestle <laughs> each other next week. <laughs> I'm making this match a tag team match. Bitches love tag team matches. Holla holla. Um. <laughs> Thanks, thanks for that picture, Chris. Chris just sent me a picture while we're doing the show. It was great. All right, um, Roman Reigns versus Bobby Lashley. I know that uh, it just uh, Roman Reigns is going to go against Brock. Brock Lesnar, do you think he's winning or losing? And do you think it will be the last match on the card? I think Bobby Lashley is still getting into this match, and it's still going to be a shitty three-way that I won't care about. Oh, God, don't fucking say a three-way. Uh-huh. It's gonna be a 
freeway, and it will be the last. That's not going to help. It won't help Bobby Lashley at all to be in that. No, boot out of the building. They're going to put on laughs. It's going to be awful. To be fair, nothing's going to help Bobby Lashley. He's still talking about his sister in promos, and oh my god! Uh, <laughs> all right, let's move. Let's move to a happier note. Let's move. Let's move to SmackDown, Chris. All right. Okay. <laughs> so it start, the, the thing started out with uh, Miz and Maurice pulling up with their child, climbing out of the limousine. We'll get to that a little bit later. But then Randy Orton came out and did, a, I think, probably the best uh, mic work from him since I started watching wrestling again. Um, he just he, He's better as a fucking heel. He just – he naturally – I mean, people were still – he, I mean, he's still going to get cheered because he's at that point where people just like him because he's been in WWF. And I'm not someone who thinks that, that Randy's one of the greatest wrestlers of all time or anything like that. But I think he's always been a pretty damn suitable heel with him against McFoley, the whole legend killer thing, uh, him, what he did with Triple H, with Stephanie's thing. He's good at being a heel. Um, and I don't know. Jeff Hardy, I have no idea if he's out now, and that was a way to get him out because I know that he's healing up from injury. It seems like he's still going against Shinsuke. He made it pretty damn clear he's not down with being a babyface. He wants people to boo him, yada, yada, yada. I thought it was effective. Um, Shinsuke asked about him later on. Do you think that it's going to lead to Shinsuke versus Randy? Because if you remember back, Chris, I want to say that Shinsuke kept on having matches just did not work out with lots of competitors. And the first time him and Randy you know, locked horns on SmackDown, they had good chemistry. Because, I don't know, maybe it'll be a three-way. I have no idea. What do you think about all this? What do you think about the return of heel Randy Orton? I like the return of heel Randy Orton. I've never been a huge Randy Orton fan, but uh, I I think that is the best version of Randy Orton. Um, Unless they're going to go full psychopath Randy Orton where he's punting people in the head again, which is actually the best version of Randy Orton. Um, But yeah, I, I I don't know. I they could go three way with it just because Jeff Hardy is still recovering from an injury, and it would be a way to get maybe get him out of the match quick if Randy and Shinsuke both attack Jeff. So they may go that route, but obviously this is to build a feud between Randy and Jeff at the end of the day. So uh, I I would assume that if they, you know. Shinsuke will retain and go on to face whoever's next, and then you're going to get Orton versus Hardy as long as Hardy's healthy. I like that. I, I think that that could definitely be it. All right. Two questions. Um, one, do you think that if Rusev changes hair to having it just like Andretti Cien Almost, they would look like brothers? And two, uh, since. <laughs> since, since since um, since Aiden English screwed up and screwed up the match for Rusev, does Rusev need Lana or Aiden English? I mean, for Rusev Day to live on, he needs Aiden English. I don't think he necessarily needs Lana. I don't understand why like Lana is involved with this other than setting up I a would, match between. I would probably want La- Lana of the two of them. You know. Well, no, but, like, who's going to sing Rusev Day, though? Like, that's his old gimmick. Lana versus Selena Vega is what they're going for. After that, Lana will go back to whatever she was doing beforehand. This is just to set up that match, to set up Lana versus Selena Vega. Um, 
which I'm fine with. But that, I mean, that's to me, that's where they're going with that. And uh, as far as the match itself, I thought it was, I thought it was okay. Um, nothing really, you know, too crazy. But but no. Nope. Well, you know. uh, speaking about crazy, our uh, truth, uh, you know, had his match against Samoa Joe. Very entertaining. Samoa Joe gave him a little bit of offense more than I thought he would. Probably, you know, used to work with him over at uh, TNA for 46. Man, that guy looks great. Samoa Joe choked his ass out. Do you have anything to say about that? Every time someone brings up heel arts truth and TNA, I get really sad because he was so damn good. Uh, but. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this was just a match to make Samoa Joe look strong. I thought the match overall was fine. Do you think, it, do you think that Joe gave him more offense than he probably originally was told to because he respects our truth It looked like he gave him a lot of offense. Uh, I don't know. Joe Joe's always Joe's always kind of like that, though. Like, he, he yeah. tends to give offense to people, so it, it seemed like a normal Samoa Joe match to me. But yeah, maybe. I mean, if he was told to go out there and demolish our truth, he would have just done that. Um, he's not really a guy that kind of talks back, so I, I'm assuming that they were just told to call it however they wanted to call it. All right. Well, Oscar defeated Billy Kay, and um, yeah, that's all I got to say. Fucking what happened, Oscar? Um, all right. Then we had AJ Styles uh, come out, and he made the whole entire signing with him and whatever competitor that Paige is about to put on display. Enter James Ellsworth, talks a lot of trash. I beat you three times, which is true. I can't believe they actually brought that up again, but whatever. She fires James Ellsworth while she's in the back, escorting him out. Samoa Joe comes in the ring, chokes out AJ Styles, and signs it. We got AJ Styles versus Samoa Joe for the WWE title. I kind of want Joe to actually win that title. I thought that was pretty awesome. What do you think? I think it's the perfect time to put the belt on Samoa Joe. It gives... Uh... It gives some real fun opportunities for Daniel Bryan to go against maybe like AJ Styles in a number oh. one contenders match. Uh, there's some stuff coming out of this that could be really, really cool where you could have two faces go against each other and it makes sense because they're all trying to get Samoa Joe. And then out of this, you're going to get an AJ Styles-Samoa Joe rematch. And then whoever the next number one contender is against Samoa Joe, which could be Daniel Bryan. So either way, you're going to get good damn matches. And putting Samoa Joe as a champ and giving a way out to continuously build feuds with those people, um, having the champion advantage, I think is uh, pretty fucking awesome. Especially because Samoa Joe could choke them out while they're like holding the ropes and just get DQ'd and still look strong and kind of any DQ finish that they would want to put him in to continue feuds. So there's a lot of really cool stuff that could come out of Samoa Joe being champion. And AJ Styles honestly doesn't need it. Uh, he's had the belt for what six months now. Yeah, six, seven months. He doesn't. So he doesn't need it. I, I think putting it on Joe is a smart move. I agree. Well, we only have uh, less than four minutes, so we'll have to I'll have to include these two together. Becky Lynch is going to be going against Carmella. That and New Day has progressed uh, to go against Bludgeon Brothers. That one we don't know until the next match, and we find out who wins that. But Becky, uh, do you think she's going to beat Carmella for the title real quick? Yes, because I think they're done with the Carmella experiment. And I think it makes sense to put it on Becky Lynch because you're going to get better matches with Becky Lynch and Charlotte, Becky Lynch and Asuka. Her and Asuka. Yeah, Carmella and Asuka. So I think think it's a smart move. As far as the new day... 
as far as that new day match. Yeah, went, I, I thought was it was say, fine. The bar came out and challenged for the tag team title, so it looks like it might be the bar versus New Day versus Bludgeon Brothers. I'm not sure. Yeah. Seems like another three-way match. Maybe they're going to try to... Maybe they go four-way with it. Maybe Sanity squeaks in there somehow, um, which would be interesting if they're trying to get the titles off the Bludgeon Brothers. That would be one way to do it with the way that they've booked it thus far. And, of course, how'd you feel about the setup now for Daniel Bryan versus The Miz? Him and Maurice coming out. We all knew it was a fake baby. Well, I kind of did. He got me a little bit. And then the fake package, Daniel Bryan, screw you guys, comes to the ring, beats up security guards, and then Miz throws the baby at him, kicks him, uh, you know, does the uh, finale, and that's really setting up what looks like a great SummerSlam card, at least. Uh, Chris, what do you think about that? Final thoughts? Miz is awesome whenever they put him in a situation where he's able to do creative stuff like this and really channel his inner heel, and they don't have him just doing interviews in the middle of the ring for no reason. I think it's going to be a good feud between Miz and Daniel Bryan, I think the Miz will probably win the first match, um, and it'll just continue on from there. It's good to see Maurice back as well, uh, and I need to check out their new show. But and I, I checked Smackdown out their show too, and I actually really liked it. Yeah, it was. It, it has been for a while, but I checked out Miz and Maurice. I actually liked the show. It was very charming. You could tell his storyline driven as shit and, and, and fake as hell. But either way. Great show, guys. Uh, we went over a lot of stuff. Uh, definitely check out all the great wrestling this week, and we'll have more stuff for you next week. Um, definitely check out our movie show and all of our platforms on Instagram, Twitter, at Geek Vibes Nation, Facebook. Join the conversation. Chris, say good night to the beautiful audience. Good night, everyone. Y'all have a great week. All right, guys. Uh, have a wonderful, wonderful evening, and let the Geek Vibes be with you. Hey, monkeys, it's me, D-D-P, Diamond Dallas Page, the king of bada-bing, the master of the diamond cutter, the three-time world champion professional wrestler, WWE Hall of Famer, and CEO and founder of DDP Yoga. And you, monkeys, well, you're listening to Geek Vibes Nation. And that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. Bang! Bang! Peace out, everyone.